Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Today's episode is sponsored by Bright Peak Financial, a non-for-profit membership organization providing Christians with the right products, tools, and resources to gain financial strength. Go to brightpeakfinancial.com to create your financial success story. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. Today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Many people today, probably most people, are familiar with the term yoga, but it probably calls to mind a, uh, a young person in a leotard doing a pretzel pose, um, or potentially uh, some type of physical activity. But uh, yoga is actually a much broader system, including a philosophy and a practice for spiritually conscious living today. Um, today, our topic is yoga's powerful tools for rejuvenation and healing. How can yoga help us to heal our hearts and our bodies? Stress is such a huge contributor to the development of many of today's chronic diseases. And yoga is a masterful system for healing the effects of chronic stress. Our conversation today will focus on yoga's tools for rediscovering our health, vitality, and our wholeness. And I'm joined today by Nishala Joy Davy, a pioneer in the field of alternative healing and a renowned yoga expert who's spent years helping people realize the healthful and stress-controlling benefits of yoga. 
Originally trained in Western medicine, she began to blend Western medicine with yoga, offering her expertise in developing the yoga portion of the Dean Ornish Program for Reversing Heart Disease. Nishala also co-founded the award-winning Commonweal Cancer Help Program. She's the author of uh, several books. Um, the one we're be- going to be drawing from today is The Healing Path of Yoga, Time-Honored Wisdom and Scientifically Proven Methods that Alleviate Stress, Open Your Heart, and Enrich Your Life. You can find out more about her books, CDs, and teaching schedule at her website, AbundantWellBeing.com. Welcome, Nishala. I'm delighted that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Laurel. What a joy it is for me to be here with you. Thank you. And everybody out there who's listening, thank you for tuning in and being with us this morning. Before we begin to enter our dialogue into yoga's powerful tools for healing, let's begin with a moment of meditation. Let's just begin by turning our attention within. Our breath is a wonderful tool to help us bring our attention and awareness to the present, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. So let's start by taking a fully conscious breath, just noticing as we inhale and exhale, not trying to change the rhythm of our our breathing, just noticing its natural flow, cool air entering the nostrils, and warm air flowing out. In this moment, we can dive within and open our heart to the divine. One reality called by many names is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right here and right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone. It's within us, between us, and all around us. Just by being present now and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and as they pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change, beyond thought and sensation, pure existence being. We feel the peace that emanates from the essence of our being. We allow that peace to pervade our mental field, 
the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Once again, Nishala Joy Davy, welcome to the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Laurel, and thank you for that gift. That was so beautiful. Really appreciate having that moment of going within. It's so nice to start from a centered place, isn't it? It's so nice. It's something so, that I actually call snacks. Something like that, doing a few times during the day, like you would have a food snack. Just to have a little snack like that a few times a day changes your whole life. Yeah, yes, definitely. Makes everything look different. Yeah, thank you. Well, um, I wanted to start out and talk a little bit about your background because um, what I find so you know interesting about the journey, um, your journey in uh, in yoga, is it started out actually in in uh, Western medicine. So what led you beyond your training in Western medicine to use yoga practices for healing? Well, that's a very interesting and involved question that I'll try to make as simple as possible. First, let me go back to uh, just for a moment my childhood where I seem to have come in with a lot of physical issues. And from a very young age, even as young as four, I realized that doctors were talking about me instead of to me. Mm. And I would always say, I'm in here. I'm, uh, I'm in here. Talk to me, even at age four. And I really, I think what happens sometimes when children have that experience, they grow up wanting to make things different for other children and other people. And I think that was really a motivating factor to me and why I went into Western medicine at the fr- in the first place. I felt that it was, while it had scientific value of great importance, there was a humanistic part missing, and I really felt that I wanted to bring that in. So when I began my formal training, and I was in the hospital uh, as as part of the training, I realized very quickly that what I had felt as a child was really uh, prominent through that. And and this is not a blame. I think right. I I want to make that really clear. I and I really appreciate uh, the medical profession. They are grossly overworked. And there has to be more aspects than just tending to the physical body. There right. needs to be someone there that can talk to people, etc. And even though that wasn't my job, I took it on as my job and got into various um, difficult situations with the staff and my professors because of it. I, they said I was spending too much time talking to people and mm-hmm. listening to people. And to me, that was the essence of healing. So I tried to be good through my training. And then when I got out, I really chose very carefully where I wanted to work. And it was only where I could work with people 
that I could have a relationship with the patient, mm-hmm. not just administer to them in such a way. So this, this, this took me through many, many different channels. And at one point, I was actually working with a cardiologist for uh, a number of years and really started to see the development of uh, this disease of the heart. And that also uh, made me wonder why, of all the things that we have in our society, why is it the heart that is now the leading disease in our society? Yes. What was happening with our own hearts mm. that they should get diseased? Mm-hmm. So it sent me on a very interesting way of thinking, and finally I got quite disillusioned with the yoga, with the, I'm sorry, with the medical field and was working a very, very intense job at a clinic actually in the Mission District in mm-hmm. San Francisco. And being exhausted after working a 12-hour day, I, um, I didn't even have the strength to make myself dinner. So I would go to a wonderful restaurant called the Good Karma Cafe Huh. And uh, I found out that it actually did bring me some good karma because I met people there who were very involved in the yogic field and encouraged me to begin yoga classes as a stress management relief. And I found that that helped me in my daily life as working at the clinic, and then soon I became, again, more disillusioned with Western medicine and went full-time into yoga. Mm. And when I did, I realized what I had been looking for all these years in medicine to really heal, which is the same root as the word wholeness. So I realized that this yogic lifestyle was really the medicine, if you can put it like that, that I had looked for because mm-hmm. it was not just involved with my physical body, although many people know yoga as a physical discipline, and a great one it is. Mm-hmm. However, it also took into consideration what I was thinking, what I was feeling, who my friends were, mm-hmm. how I related to my family and friends and the greater world. And lastly, and probably the most important, it took me back to my own spirit. Mm. It reminded me of who I am in the midst of world, the world of identity, that everybody's trying to put a label on you. You're a woman. You're an old woman. You're a young woman. You have this. You have that. You're a Ph.D. You're an M.D. You're a construction worker, whatever it is. And this brought me to the place where there is that oneness, Mm -hmm. that place where we are all the same. And to me, what happened is I realized that was the place that we healed from. That was the place where we became whole. And from there, we could move back out to what we thought and felt Mm -hmm. and then to our physical bodies. So this was a profound lesson for me and something that really propelled me into service in yoga rather than service in Western medicine. 
Uh, such a beautiful just overall description, you know, of everything that yoga has to offer, you know, as a as a healing you know, methodology. So I've been fortunate enough to attend a workshop with you and I know um, the importance of the the deep relaxation that we're going to be talking about um, a bit later, but um, it really made me start to think, well, continued my thinking, I guess, about chronic stress and how stress is such a, a huge contributor to the development of uh, chronic diseases but um stress management and relaxation are are really often ignored you know when when uh um people try and um you know see a physician it just is something that although you know the the science is really there to show what a key you know stress management is it's just something that that's you know kind of not not really incorporated into a treatment plan so in your experience how how important have you found stress management in healing i think it's the underlying issue in all modern diseases we as a society especially the western society and especially the united states in particular really have a baseline of stress that we don't even know we have. It's so commonplace in our everyday life that we just take it for granted. We take for granted that we wake up tired and we need stimulants to get us through the day. Well, that should be our clue right there that there is way too much stress because The human body is meant to go to sleep, recharge, heal whatever is going on with it, and wake up refreshed. And when we see that we're not doing that, something is happening in our lives, in our society. It is built in that we have this pressure of stress. I laugh sometimes even watching people on holiday. They go to a place where there are activities from 6 a.m. till 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And they think that this is relaxing. And then they go back to work and they're just as tired or more tired than when they left. So we just don't quite have that, that vision. Um, one of the things that actually even next week I go to teach in Europe and they have a very different way of looking at the day. There, there's time for a leisurely lunch. There's time for perhaps even a siesta in the afternoon. Right. Something that reminds us again that there's more to life than the stress and the working. Matter of fact, one of my favorite um, quotes, is, I'm laughing as I'm saying it, is a Spanish proverb. And it says, how wonderful to do nothing and rest afterwards. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> and I, that be, has become almost a goal of mine to be able to do that because it, it's a wonderful attitude that yeah. well, here in our society we're told don't just sit there, do something. Right. And this has made us in, involved in stress the way we hold on to it. And most of the diseases that we have been talking about 
are do have a major stress component to them. Right. Because stress, well, we can say stress is a natural part of us. We couldn't stand up straight if there wasn't a certain amount of stress in the body. But this isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about that excess that makes the blood pressure go up, that creates a sympathetic nervous system reaction that does not allow us to heal the way we need to heal. And even something as simple as a cold, why do we get that? What happens? Right. Right. Well, the body is saying to us, enough. You need some rest. So the little tiny, teeny, teeny virus that comes and invades our body, which normally the body would just throw out, right. suddenly takes over. Right. Sometimes I actually wonder have... how this... Go ahead. I was just going to say there actually was a great study that showed that, you know, that um, relationship uh, to stress between uh, catching a cold and not catching a cold, despite being, you know, everybody thinks, oh, it's a virus. But this showed that there was a, 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 a much higher incidence of of uh, catching a cold on exposure to the cold virus um, when you were when you were stressed, you know. So basically, the underlying stress is what creates the opening for the cold virus to you know to to take hold. Um, it's not just the virus. If the system is healthy, the body can fight it off. Just what you said. Exactly. And with that, we- We've come to the the break already. It's uh, oh, just flying okay. by. Um, that was fast. Yeah. <laughs> So you're listening to The Yoga Hour with guest Nishala Joy Devi, author of the book, The Healing Path of Yoga, Time-Honored Wisdom and Scientifically Proven Methods that Alleviate Stress, Open Your Heart, and Enrich Your Life. You can find out more about Nishala, her books, CDs, and teaching schedule at her website, AbundantWellbeing.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about yoga's tools for rejuvenation and healing. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Do you ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings, is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck, author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store. 
at www.unity.org. Then click on Shop. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm joined today by Nishala Joy Davy, who developed the yoga portion of the Dean Ornish Program for Reversing Heart Disease and co-founded the award-winning Commonweal Cancer Help Program. In this segment, again, we'll be talking about yoga's tools for rejuvenation and healing. So, Nishala, when when we left um, the the beginning uh, segment of the program, we were just really getting into chronic stress, and um, I really I wanted to return uh, to the um, this idea of stress as such a com- important component of chronic disease, and how we really, as a culture, don't recognize this and we don't include it in our treatment of <clears throat> of chronic diseases. So let's let's go back to the um, to the Ornish program. Because when I was uh, reading about the Ornish program in uh, when the results first came out, which was in the mid '90s, I think um, <clears throat> it was the uh, Lifestyle Heart Trial initially, and then later the Multicenter Lifestyle Heart Trial, um, which basically spread what had you know happened in one center to m- multiple centers across the country. Um, I, as a, as a, just a, a lay, um, you know, or as a person who's reading about it in the lay press, was struck by how it was all about the diet. It was the no fat diet. And yet really, the, there were four components of the trial. Um, stress management, which you were involved with, uh, exercise, the very low fat diet that we all heard about, and then group support. So, um, can you, can you just talk a little bit about um, how important you you your experience of working with people the part that you were involved with was the stress management which was which probably would have been called yoga now maybe but but yeah. then it was you know described as stress management it was really yoga that was you know that was the all of the yoga techniques were called upon um, and how important people found that aspect of the trial the let me just give you a moment's background on this, and then sure. maybe it will all make sense. The main people who were um, the investigators in this trial, including our primary investigator, Dean Ornish, uh, had all been students of yoga. Mm. So when we went to put something like this together, we went to our teacher, who was Swami Sachidananda, and he then showed us a way to put this study together. And I don't think he's given as much credit for it as could be, 
because he was really guiding us in that. And we, the reason we chose to do this was because we had received such great benefit from yoga. And some of the preliminary studies, actually, Dean Ornish's first book is called Stress, Diet, and Your Heart. So it just shows how those components impact it. So when we were deciding what to put in it, in the study, we realized that we had to uh, cover all aspects. So we had to cover the physical aspects. So we actually, we didn't really do exercise as much as we did just walking. Walking Mm -hmm. and talking to each other is how we started out because we didn't have a lot of funding for the study. Mm-hmm. And then the diet portion was basically taken from a yogic diet. So it was a vegetarian diet that we decided to make as low in fat as possible with the idea of starving the physical body of the fat so it would then use up the fat it already had. Mm-hmm. That was something that it was an important component, but not as strong as the yoga aspect, because the yoga aspect took care of most of it. We had five components to that also. And the first was asana, which people are familiar with as physical postures, because we felt that the people had to move their bodies, but move them in a particular way that it was a conscious movement, not an unconscious movement. And then we had the breathing practices, the pranayama, which brings vitality and strength into the physical body. A long session, usually 20 minutes or more of deep relaxation to just move through all the aspects of the body that I think we're going to talk about in a few minutes. And then we had what we call as imagery. Now, imagery was very, very important because it's the way we think about ourselves that is also part of this whole of the yoga. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a cardiac patient or do you see yourself as a divine being whose body has an imbalance? Mm -hmm. So we really try to talk to people about that. Also, their imagery of their life. Oh, I have a terrible life. Uh, No one loves me. All these things we just try to take and work with the mind to take that in and change the mind to a positive because we know that when the mind is positive, the body reacts positively and healing can happen. And then the final component was meditation. And this to us was a very important thing to talk to people and show them how being quiet Taking that time to just go in and be quiet actually brings harmony and a homeostasis to the whole physical body, the mental and emotional body, which leads us to our spirit. So for these five components, we would teach them, and they were expected to do an hour every day of this, which which is a lot for people. But what we found is that they got better. And when they got better, everything else changed. So the diet helped that. Even we brought the yoga into the diet portion by having them be conscious of what they eat, be thankful for what they're eating, 
to really look at what they're eating, to chew well, to be happy when they're eating instead of watching the news or reading the paper or something like that. And also into the exercise portion, which was added actually later in the study. We didn't bring a lot of exercise right away. And what we found is we brought this idea of awareness into exercise. Not that you're, again, watching TV or reading, but you're really with the body. What does the body need right now? Maybe it needs a little bit more gentle. Maybe it needs a little more strong, depending Mm -hmm. on what it needed at that moment. And when the mind and the body function together, healing happens. Yes, and I just really wanted to sort of you know, give you a chance to, to talk about that because again, I feel like it was such a reductionistic view really of, you know, the Ornish program in that, you know, now you say Ornish program, people say, oh yes, you know, you can't eat fat. And there's not really an awareness of all of these yoga principles that you had woven through the whole thing. You know, Laurel, it's interesting because unfortunately commercialism goes into everything. Mm-hmm. And there's not a whole lot of money in yoga. Well, there wasn't at that time. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Um, but there was a lot of money in selling food. Uh, yeah. So yeah. a lot of it was picked up because, look, we have this no-fat cookie. We have this no-fat this. Yeah. We have. So a lot of it was just put in, and then the... Publishing companies also grabbed a hold of it. Oh, yeah, let's do a book on diet. Let's do another book on diet. And actually, I'm the only one that ever wrote a book on the yoga portion of the, of the program. In Which Dean's book, book, it has a section yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, but, but the Healing Path of Yoga was really the only book written just about the yoga, the yoga section of the study. So this was something that I felt... And when we looked at people and asked them, which part do you feel is the most beneficial to you in your healing, almost unanimously, they said the yoga portion was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They felt the immediate benefit of it. And one, uh, there's one uh, man I remember in our study who was a construction worker. And they said, well, how did it change you? He said, I'm a kinder, gentler person even on the construction site. Hmm. And that wow. doesn't come just from the diet. That, that <laughs> comes from right. knowing who we are and realizing that everyone has a struggle. Everyone deserves to have kindness. Mm-hmm. And, and that was what we saw, and it was extraordinary mm-hmm. to see that from some simple yogic poses and some simple yogic concepts. Yeah. So at the same time that you got involved, you know, with the the Nornish program, you also were uh, co-founding the Commonweal Cancer Help Program. So what differences did you see in applying the types of yoga principles and practices that we've been talking about with cancer patients compared with heart disease patients? Well, when we start off, we see everyone is the same. Mm -hmm. We're all one. We're all in this looking for the wholeness. However, the personalities and the diseases are very different. So, for instance, cancer, when we were working with people with cancer, oftentimes they were either in the middle of treatment or uh, just had finished treatment, and there was 
often a, uh, a vulnerability in their physical body and also emotional vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So we found that when we did the practices with them, they were even more gentle, more, um, more healing, a lot of deep relaxation, um, just things that would rejuvenate them from a very deep level in their sometimes monumental fatigue. Whereas with the cardiac patients, uh, often some of them were what we lovingly call type A behavior that has actually been changed to cardiac predictive behavior. Mm. And they, they have this, okay, what's next? What's next? Come on, let's go. And so for those people, maybe we had to change the class a little bit or temper it in a little bit of a different way. Uh, also with people with cancer, the diet became something that they needed the calories. They needed to be nurtured. So even right. though we had a, um, a low-fat diet, we didn't, it wasn't as stringent as it was for the cardiac. Mm-hmm. Whereas the cardiac, we really kept them on this very low-fat diet, but some of the people with cancer got very thin from the treatment or from the disease itself and really had to move forward uh, with something a little bit more substantial. Right. Um, so, but what we found was no matter how we changed or not changed, but uh, adjusted the mm-hmm. yoga portion of the program, they, they all loved it and got such benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Actually, for the cancer, we had three classes a day. We had a full class in the morning, a full class in the afternoon, and then a deep relaxation before lunch. And we noticed that people stopped reaching for their pain pills. Mm-hmm. We noticed that their depression or anxiety lessened mm-hmm. just within a very short time. Yes, well, and I can totally believe that, having experienced the deep relaxation as part of the retreat that I mentioned that I had attended, you know, the, I mean, I I came into the retreat with an awareness of how beneficial deep relaxation was, but it, it really underlined that for me even more. And how we just don't have that as a practice, you know, in our in our culture, as we've discussed. So let's let's turn now to. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit more deeply about that deep relaxation portion, and I want to start with a quote from Paramahansa Yogananda, who said that all methods of healing are really indirect ways of rousing the life energy, which is the true and direct healer of all diseases. So yoga is wonderful because it really recognizes the importance of this underlying life energy or prana in our health. And then the various yoga tools and techniques contribute to balancing and enriching that life energy. And in fact, when yoga looks at disease, it looks at, you know, the the flow of that life energy through the system and the source of that life energy being our deep, you know, uh, essential self. So, um, did you did you want to comment on your your um, your views on um, you know what I just mentioned about you know the underlying energetic you know um, I guess openness or as we've talked about susceptibility that you can get from these imbalances in the system? Yes, I you know I'm trying to when I when I think of stress, 
I'm a very visual person, so I tend to think of things in visual ways, and it seems to me it's almost like this uh, coating that gets more and more uh, solid as we layer it on that keeps our life force from flowing. Mm -hmm. It's, there's, we know that even in, in, in the body, which is a very interesting, let's say you even do a good stress. You go out and you haven't taken a long walk or a hike in, say, a month or even longer. Sometimes in the winter you're, you're cooped in and you can't go out. And then you go out and you say, oh, it's a beautiful day. I'm going to go climb that mountain. And you climb the mountain. And what we're doing is we're really putting our body into stress. Yes. It, it might be a pleasant stress, but at this point the body doesn't really understand that and it says stress. So we, we have this enjoyable day. We go back, um, we take a shower, have dinner, go to sleep, and we wake up the next morning so stiff. Oh, I didn't realize <laughs> that I walked that much. Oh, my knees hurt. Oh, my back hurts. And we, we think back and said, I, it's because I haven't done it for a long time. Yeah. And my body saw it as not an enjoyable thing, but as stress. Yeah. Well, the mind actually has that same kind of awareness. And when we start putting the physical and the mental stress, say sitting at your desk all day in a very uncomfortable position working on the computer. I mean, this is typical. I think most of us do this. Even writing this wonderful book on healing, (laughs) I had to wear a brace on my wrist because I was getting carpal tunnel syndrome. (laughs) So it's kind of ironic when you think about something like that. But when we realize that we are constantly doing things that are stressful, there has to be a way to release it. Now, let's go back to that first scenario. I just walked up this beautiful mountain, saw these views, everything. I felt very happy. If I had come home and perhaps laid on the floor for 25, 30, or longer minutes and actually done a progressive relaxation, my body may have alleviated and eliminated some of the stress that it was it picked up. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a how I see deep relaxation is almost like a safety valve, like on a pressure cooker. You have that safety valve. If the pressure gets too high, it releases it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing with us. If we don't take the time to literally let go of the physical body, the mind, and emotions, and allow the breath and the energy of breath, prana, chi, ki, to really go through and circulate through the whole body, then we tend to either get an acute disease or we get our chronic diseases in that point. So to me, deep relaxation is one of the major key components and practices and that's one of the reasons i made a cd just of deep relaxation and it happens to be one of our greatest hits as they say (laughs) so why should you mention the name of the cd of the deep relaxation because i do think people may you know be interested in that well i tried to make it really simple it's called Mm. deep relaxation (laughs) wonderful (laughs) 
So, uh, so yoga philosophy gives us these wonderful models for healing. And what I really appreciated is that you'd really incorporated this model of the koshas into your work. So, uh, according again to yoga philosophy, each human being is made up of five sheaths or bodies, which are called the maya koshas. The outermost sheath is the physical body, the anamaya kosha. Uh, which is really the only one that's recognized by Western medicine. But yoga also recognizes this energy sheath, the pranamaya kosha, the sensory mind sheath, the manomaya kosha, the wisdom sheath, the vijnana maya kosha, and then the bliss sheath, which is the most inner sheath, the ananda maya kosha. So what is great about the relaxation, the deep relaxation exercise that we've alluded to a few times now, is that each of the sheaths is relaxed in turn. So starting with the physical, you know, body and then um, moving into the energy body, the sensory body, the wisdom body, and then the bliss, you know, body. Uh, so during relaxation, how does it help us to relax these sheaths sequentially? I think it gets back a little bit to that image that I gave of that cement being layered. So what happens is our body becomes almost armored. And if we can systematically go through and literally squeeze out that tension that we're holding on to um, and make the body soft again, make it relaxed, make it ready to receive, then that next stage of the energy body can really circulate through. The, if we think of energy a little bit like the blood system, it's not, but just thinking of it like that, that it has these little tubes like the arteries and the veins that help the blood circulate, this is also how the energy circulates. And if any of us, which I'm sure we've all had the experience, either we're sitting uh, in a position that's not so comfortable or our legs are crossed or something, and then we start to get up and we say, oh, no, my leg has fallen asleep. Well, that's the, the, the term that we give it, but in actuality what has happened is we have created these barriers by having our leg in that position that the blood could not flow. Once we begin to stretch it out and probably walk on it or stamp on it a little bit, then the blood starts flowing again and the pain and discomfort goes away. Well, this is what happens also with the energy. So as we are putting our bodies in these uncomfortable positions, like sitting in a chair, sitting in a car, etc., standing too long in one place, etc., we're causing this stress which then will not allow the energy to flow through the body. So the when we get to the pranamaya kosha, which is that energy that flows, we have to then coax it to begin to move through the body and allow each part of the body from the single cell to one of the greatest organs to get this powerful healing prana, this healing energy that wants to move, wants to flow, does not want to be impeded by anything. And when it is impeded, we name it as pain. We call it as physical pain, which means the prana has gotten stuck 
and is not allowed to flow. Right. You also, as part of the the deep relaxation exercise, there are other you know ways of of holding or blocking. And so during the part of the relaxation for the the body of the mind and senses, the monomyakosha, you incorporate relationships between parts of the body and certain emotions or, or processes. So, for example, when giving the cue to relax the hands, you uh, at the script encourages us to let go of what we're holding. And yeah. when we let go of the shoulders, let go of the burdens you are carrying. Yeah. When we get to the throat, release any unsaid words. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that these quote-unquote psychological issues really do have a physical reality in the tension patterns that are present in our bodies. Absolutely, and I think this is one of the major uh, missing parts in Western medicine, that somehow we separate the mind from the body. The body is just gross mind. And you, you can see this. If a person comes in and they're mentally unhappy, I'm just talking about the mind now, and you look at them, it's on their face. Mm-hmm. It's in their body. They're slumping. Their shoulders are in a particular position. And you would say to them, you look very unhappy today. Now, so what we're really doing is we are looking at the mind projected through the physical body. Yes. So yeah. there's this, it's not just a link. It's actually the same, but one is in a gross form and one is in a subtle form. Mm-hmm. So by getting the mind to relax, we get the body to relax. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one of the things, I don't know if you've ever done this, but um, we live near a, a big uh, shopping mall, and there's um, a store in there that has these uh, exercise, um, I'm sorry, vibrating chairs, you know, the yeah. massage chairs. Yeah. And I love to go by and watch the people who have just sat down for a few minutes after shopping, and they're sitting in this chair, and the expression on their faces is priceless. <laughs> yeah. And you can tell that the body relaxing has made them happy and relaxed, mm-hmm. even in their mental state. So there's a, there's a direct correlation between it, and I think right. that this is something that, uh, Western medicine has to catch up to because right. you can't really help people totally without that. So one of the things that we, that you mentioned early on was how, you know, yoga is such a wonderful, inclusive, um, set of disciplines, a inclusive philosophy that includes not just our body, not just our, you know, mind and emotions as we've been talking about, but also our spiritual nature. And one of the stories that I was struck by um, that you that you tell, you certainly told in the retreat, and I think you tell in the book, is um, a wonderful story about the importance of service to others in our yes. own healing process. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? The story about the man who didn't get better until you gave him that last oh yes, piece of advice. Yes, yes. Yeah, can you can you yes. share that story with our with our? I listeners? can. It's one of my favorite stories, and I think a lot of people's favorite. And it's an absolute true story. I was working um, with a man at one of our cardiac retreats and knew that he was uh, quite ill. He had heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, etc. 
And uh, he asked afterwards if I would work with him privately because he, we had a connection. And I think that's a really important thing. The connection between the therapist and the client is probably one of the most important of the healing relationships. And I agreed, and he, we were far apart, so he would fly in once a week, and I would work with him and give him some things to do, and he would go back and do them. And this went on for a while, and I saw as he was coming that for some reason he wasn't getting better. And I was concerned because maybe I wasn't the right person for him to work with. So I approached this to him one of the times he came, and I said, please um, look at this situation clearly. Uh, I don't seem to be helping you. Maybe you should go to someone else. He said, no, 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 I really have total faith in you that you can help me. I said, well, I don't know exactly what to do because you're already doing the the practices as I suggested, and you don't seem to have any results. You still have a lot of chest pain. Uh, your diabetes is still out of control, etc. So I said, well, let's just take a moment together and get quiet. And maybe something will come to us what to do next. And that's usually often the way I work with people. I think in our quietness and our silence, uh, we are given messages of healing. So we did this, and and as I was sitting there, all of a sudden the word came through my mind and consciousness, seva, which means service. Right. And we opened our eyes, and I said to him, did you get anything? And he said, no. And I said, well, it's funny, I I got this word service, seva. And he, he immediately stiffened. And he looked at me and he said, service, I do service, I do enough service. I said, oh, okay. And I said, what do you do? And he said, well, I give a lot of money. I'm a very wealthy man. I said, well, that's wonderful. But sometimes giving of ourself is the most important. And he said and to Michelle, me, we just have about one more minute. So Okay. I'll, so he said, well, I'm, I do a lot of service. And then I said to him, and he said to me, okay, what do you want me to do? And I said, well, I find the best thing to open a heart is to work with sick children. Well, he got very, very upset. I can't do that. I can't take all that time. I said, fine. Off he went. I expected never to hear from him again. And about two days later, he called me. He said, well, I did what you said. I said, what's that? He said, I went into the hospital, and I found the sickest child, which I had told him to do, and I sat by her side. And she could hardly open her eyes, and she held on to my fingers. And I thought, I'm going to sing a song to her that my mother used to sing. And my heart started to open. And he said, and I came back, and I'm not going once a week. I said, okay. He said, I'm going twice a week. And he said, and by the way, I haven't had any chest pain since I came back. And my diabetes, I just lowered my insulin five units. Wow. That's what service can do. Yes. What a lovely story. We all have to serve each other because by serving each other, we're serving our own hearts. Mm. Oh, it's just lovely. Well, with that, we have come to the end of our program. 
You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien, and we've been discussing yoga's powerful tools for rejuvenation and healing with special guest Nishala Joy Davy. Uh, and we've been discussing her book, The Healing Path of Yoga. You can find out more about Nishala, her books, and CDs, teaching schedule at her website, AbundantWellbeing.com. So thank you so much, Nishala, for joining us. It has been my extreme joy and pleasure. Thank you. So join us next week for Rediscovering Wholeness, Yoga's Tools for Recovery from Trauma. This is another program in our summer series on optimal health with yoga and Ayurveda. And my guest will be Mary Nuri Stearns, author of Yoga for Emotional Trauma. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. You can find out more about CSE at the website csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes. And thank you to our Yoga Hour team, including Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then. Remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the rear.
Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 